Welcome to the 85th episode of the Young Terps Podcast. From the Viner 4Gate studio, this is your host, Mason Viner. And your co-host, Jordan Viner. And on today's episode, we're talking Maryland's win over Wisconsin and all your Terrapin news. But before we get into that, this podcast is brought to you by Allied Party Rentals, your hometown Terrapin party rental resource. Allied has what you need, whether you're hosting a large wedding, putting together a small luncheon, or setting up a street festival. Allied has the tents, chairs, linens, china, and other accessories that you're looking for. Wayne from Terp Talk has known Donnie at Allied since 1995. Located in Beltsville, Maryland, and serving the entire DMV, contact Allied today for a free, no-obligation quote, at 301-986-0067, or visit them at alliedpartyrentals.com. Jordan, now for the Terrapin Rundown. I want to start things off here in the non-rev report. Gymnastics won their opening competition against Penn, Cortland, and Westchester. They will play again at Illinois on Saturday at 3 p.m. You can watch that one on BTN to go. Yeah, strong start to the season for the Gym Terps and hope to continue that with already a Big Ten meet. Lady Terps took a bit of a a bit of a tumble, if you will, in the AP poll, dropping from fourth to ninth. I really don't know what prompted this huge drop, considering they didn't lose this week, but that's unfortunate for the Lady Terps. Well, when you're that high up in the polls, if you're not winning, you're not... I mean, if you're not playing, you're not doing well. You have to keep winning. You have to keep your status up. I mean, when you only play one game, you're going to take a hit, especially if you've already lost the game to Rutgers. You just you need more games to stay that high in the poll, and it just didn't happen. I guess so. They beat Michigan this week in College Park. That game was on Saturday. 83-69. Shakira Austin led the Terps with 13.15 boards. She was among five Terps in double figures. So a solid performance. I mean, we've seen the Lady Terps go pretty far down. They haven't had a few games. They've had a few games where they haven't played well. And against Michigan, it looks like it went well. They'll be back in action at the 17th-ranked Michigan State Spartans on Thursday. That game can be seen at BTN at 6 o'clock. Maryland had four players taken in the MLS Super Draft, including the seventh overall pick, Dane St. Clair, who went to the Minnesota United up by you, Jordan. He was the highest pick since the forward, Casey Towson, in 2012. Going number 15th was defender Chase Gasper. He also went to the Minnesota United. And then 33rd went Andrew Samuels to the Houston Dynamo. And then 34th went the captain, Omar Sadich, to the Montreal Impact. Yeah, a couple of Terps heading up to Minnesota to join Stefan Diggs. I'm liking the little Terp fortress for blooding up here in the north. Yeah, that's good. That's, I mean, that's great for you. Um, I mean, they'll get to start off their careers in a new stadium up there in Minnesota, right? Yep, the new stadium in, I believe, St. Paul. Looks, I've heard it looks really nice. I haven't seen it yet. It's not being constructed, though. Hopefully, they'll ride the wave because Mr. United's a pretty popular club up here. That's good. Jalen Hurts is now a – he went from a plus 200 money line to a minus 200 money line to go to Maryland despite the visits over the weekend to Miami and Oklahoma. So Vegas must believe in Mike Loxley. Well, it seems like he's leading our way. Oklahoma wasn't even listed in the favorites, believe it or not, for Jalen. So I don't know what's going on there. Maybe they know something we, we don't. He's also a 9-1 to Heisman favorite despite not having a team right now. So they really do love Jalen out in Vegas. I think that Miami 
has been hitting this because of Tate Martell, the former Ohio State backup quarterback that decided to transfer. He's going to apply for a waiver to um, be able to take the field this year, and he's looking like he's off to the U. So Jalen Hurts' opportunities are slowly, I almost want to say narrowing. I, I don't think you can really say that with a player of his stature, but I think it's just starting to um, fall the Terps' way. Hey, you know what? I'll take it. I still think he's probably the biggest recruit, maybe since Stefan Diggs has come to Maryland, if you call him a recruit, that is. Well, he is a recruit. Uh, they have to recruit him. That's why he's at the basketball game. That's why he's going around. The Terps have gotten some big ones in the Durkin era, but none of them are really of that Jalen Hurts level. I mean, Jalen Hurts is a true five-star just like Stefan Diggs. I don't think really Maryland's gotten one of those. I mean, Anthony McFarlane would have been if he stayed healthy. But he didn't, so he fell down to a four-star, and he kind of flew under the radar. So Jalen Hurts would be huge. It would be the big hit for the Locks there to really kick off in College Park. Yes, it would. Um, moving on the basketball side here, Bruno Frando was named the U.S. Basketball Writers Association Oscar Robinson Player of the Week, the national honor that goes to the best college player of any given week. And Bruno really earned it, in my opinion. Yeah, I would agree with that. He had the really strong game against Indiana. He also performed well in the barn. It's just, I really feel like the Indiana game gave him that honor. I don't really think he played great against Minnesota. Obviously, he was in foul trouble. That gave Jalen Smith the opportunity to really take over. But, you know, a great performance against Indiana. And I think it was still a double-double against Minnesota. It just gets it done for Bruno, who's just dominating the Big Ten right now. And that's a good segue to any to move into our game against Wisconsin. Let's talk about the matchups first. That's a good place to start. This, of course, Maryland won what was a tight game, 64-60 to over the Wisconsin Badgers, fending off the um, vicious Badgers comeback in the second half. But there's one thing that I just want to talk about before we get into the actual game, and that is, of course, Ethan Happ against Bruno Fernando. Before the game, it was the key for both teams Whoever could win that matchup down low would win the game. Ultimately, though, Jordan, I think it was a very different story. Hap getting 31 minutes, 5 for 10 from the field with 10 points and 8 boards. And then Fernando, only playing 21 minutes, had 3 for 6 from the field, hit 4 free throws, only had 4 rebounds, and then 10 points. So both guys got into foul trouble, and it kind of changed the narrative of the game a little bit. Man, you stole my big point, Mason. I'll give you open with that, too. Yeah, this was billed as like a marquee Big Ten, national Big Ten matchup of the two of the best Big Ten, uh, sorry, the best big men in the country, but it just didn't really happen, mostly because of foul trouble. Maryland schemed to get decent half, I think, really well, using guard help to knock him off his game. It just, it was a bit of a letdown for me, honestly. Even though I didn't really say it on this podcast, because... You know, it was kind of the hype from the game, as you already said. It was what all the ads during the NFL games were showing, and everything was showing Ethan Happ and Bruno Fernando on the graphic. But I kind of felt that both of these guys, as when we looked at Wisconsin stats, struggle with fouls. They both foul a lot. There. Bruno, we already hit on it in our last podcast when we were talking about the matchup, that Happ could get a few fouls on Bruno, and then it could be all Ethan Happ. But it wasn't like these guys were two big men that never fouled. They both struggled with foul trouble. So it kind of 
there were a few things that indicated towards it. I just didn't think it was going to happen in this game, really, because I wanted to see what would happen if it was just a straight-up matchup. Well, it didn't happen, so I guess let's move on to the game now. Maryland, of course, starts off fast, really plays good defense in the first half, takes advantage of Wisconsin's shortcomings on the offensive end, and they got out to something like 30-12 to 12 or something, and they kind of stalled out in the half. It was... It was a really good start, honestly. The defense was solid, offense was doing enough, and it was what you wanted to see. I disagree with that point just a little bit. I think Wisconsin played about as bad as a half shooting the ball as you could play. Now, I don't have the exact half numbers in front of me, but it was bad. They just weren't playing well. They were getting some good shots. They just weren't making them. I feel that Wisconsin, if they were just able to make a few shots in the first half, as the final score indicates in the way they played in the second half, they could have come out and top in this game. It wasn't that Maryland was playing great. Maryland was making their shots. I'll give them that. They're hitting threes like they have probably at their highest level that they have all year in the first half of this game. But Wisconsin really helped Maryland out. They were making bad plays. They were turning the ball over. They were doing uncharacteristic things. All game that really allowed Maryland to get to that 33-15 to lead at half. I don't really think it was all Maryland. Wisconsin definitely did their part in kind of doing them in for this game. I didn't think Wisconsin played a bad game, but I don't think you can totally discredit Maryland for it. I think the Terps played really strong defense. They helped well on the inside. They covered the arc well. And they Wisconsin is not a very talented team, per se. They don't have high-end four or five-star level players, and I think it kind of showed in the first half that those guys weren't on our talent level. Now, do I think we played perfect? No, I think we struggled on offense for the end of the half. I think that our guys weren't as aggressive as maybe they could have been on the offensive end, but I still think we played a pretty solid first half. I would agree with that. You really can't, given the score, say that they didn't play a solid first half. It's just that people are so quick, or if you listen to any of the big radio stations around, or really even the commentators during the game, Maryland didn't do everything right in the first half. Now, the score indicated that they did, but if you go back and you look at the film, Maryland was giving up some open shots like they did at the end of the game. They just weren't falling. So, and I'm not really being trying to be, I, I understand that it really comes across that I'm really being negative towards the result of this game. It was a well-played game by Maryland, but everyone's so quick, just like they're so quick to say Maryland's so bad, they're so quick to say that Maryland is so good, at least in the first half of this game. I understand what you're saying, and I think there is a lot of eagerness in the fan base to praise the team when they do something well, because things are starting to look good for the Terps. Oh, they've won their last, I think, five games. I'll double-check that. And people are excited, or at least in the first half, it really seemed like people were getting jacked again because we looked really good. We were looking like we were going to blow them out. Uh, Maryland has won their last six games by bad. So, yeah, I understand what you're saying, that people were quick to say that our team is great again. And I I'm, I was with the people. You know, we were winning 33-15 at halftime. I was kind of excited. I was like, Okay, if we can win this game, we have 20 points. We're going to be rolling into Columbus, Ohio, who, by the way, we're talking about later, but Ohio State's tanking right now. 
and we're gonna, you know, get somewhere. Now, just as much as we felt that way in the first half, in the second half, people were ready to burn the building down. Yeah, and before we get to the second half, this podcast is also brought to you by Maryland Eurocars. When you're looking for someone to service your European car, look no further than Maryland Eurocars. We have a few alleys in the family and some BMWs at the office, and we take our cars to Christian at Maryland Eurocars. Christian is teamed with the way around Audis, BMWs, Mercedes, Bentleys, VWs, and many more makes. Always friendly, courteous, and honest, along with being an extra clean shop, Maryland Eurocars is the best place to take your prized automobile, and they're the most reasonably priced shop in town. Located in Rockville, you can reach Maryland Eurocars at 301-217-5831. Ask for a Christian at 301-217-5831 and tell them the Young Terps sent you. Joining the second half was a different story. The Terps came out, and they just, the shots that they were taking that were falling in the first half just didn't go in, is what it seems like to me, and then as the game progressed, obviously we can talk about the rest of the things that happened. Well, in the first, second half was very weird to me. It, it didn't have a great flow to it until towards the end of the half. The first 10 minutes, really, were just trading baskets with Wisconsin. Both teams were kind of making shots about the same rate. Um, I think the big thing in the second half was Bruno got his third foul with about 16 minutes left. Then Ethan Happ picked up his third foul, maybe, I don't know how much, how, 10 minutes later. Not 10 minutes, sorry, about, with about 10 minutes to go in the half. So once Bruno and Happ both got their fourth fouls within a minute of each other, the game really opened up for Wisconsin. Yeah, I thought the guy that kind of um, replaced Hap, which I guess is the one that is like, um, you're thinking about Nick Reavers, Reavers actually, yeah, number thirty-five. Reavers. I thought he had a great game: seven for thirteen, four from eight from three, along with seven boards that gave him eighteen points on the night. But he just couldn't finish the game. If you want to talk about his performance, he just didn't finish the game. He needed to make one of those threes. Yeah, Nate Reavers, a sophomore from Lakeville, Minnesota, up in the Twin Cities area. He's he was nothing special before this game, really. Twenty-one points, or sorry, twenty-one minutes a game, six, eight points, a couple rebounds per game, but he just lit up the floor against the Terps in the second half. Seven for thirteen, four of eight from deep, nine rebounds and third, not sorry, and eighteen points is just kid was on fire at the end of the game. Yeah, he made it happen when. Um... The big man for Wisconsin, Ethan Happ, went to the bench. He filled in perfectly. He filled the role. He scored. He did it. He did what he needed to do to help his team get back into this game. Another guy for the Badgers that didn't and ex- did it, and especially in the second half, was Brad Davidson. I don't know why, but Brad Davidson was one of my least favorite players in the Big Ten. I do not know why. I just do not like the kid. I just don't really like the... Wisconsin team in general. I don't know. I feel like a lot of people feel this way. But that doesn't really make sense because I I really like the way they play. They play... They don't have a lot of talent, as you already said earlier. But they make it work. They fight hard. They never give up. They play the Wisconsin way. And if you look at Wisconsin athletics as a whole, if you look at the way their football team plays, if you look at the way that this basketball team plays, it's that just... Wisconsin way of grit and hard work and defense. And that's really how the Wisconsin Badgers play because if you look at what 
I mean, Greg Gard was really angry in the post game. He didn't even really give an opening statement. But based on what I've heard, I wasn't out there last night, but the Wisconsin players were quite displeased with the way they played. They felt that they should have won this game. But there's just, you're right, there is just something, there's a scrappy mentality about them that is kind of what I think that um, the ACC would have perceived the Gary Williams teams in a kind of way like that. Maybe it's something to do with Bill Ryan. I, I don't know how many people remember Bill Ryan, the um, old guy who used to coach Wisconsin. I feel like, I don't remember what, but I think he did something with the Terps that upset a lot of people. Yeah, he said know, something maybe. about the atmosphere, I think. Yeah, that's what I think so, too. I just wasn't sure what. But um, I feel like we're getting off topic here. Let's go back to the Terps. Um, Bruno Fernando, 21 minutes, four rebounds, 10 fouls, or sorry, 10 fouls, 10 points and four fouls. The four rebounds stat just, it's shocking to me. Yeah, I was just going to say, um, uh, the stat line's not bad. Four for four from the free throw line, three for six from the field. But it's just unlike Bruno. It seems like I expect more out of him, but he only got the 21 minutes. He really put himself in foul trouble, and that's really the story for his game. If you look at what Jalen Smith did, continuing with the big men. Another not-so-great shooting night from the field, two for seven, one from two from deep, six from seven from the line, seven boards, and 11 points. I'm starting yeah. to get tired of watching Jalen Smith get pushed around down low. It was sort of like a rehab game. For, in my opinion, for him. After he had such a bad game with Indiana, he just kind of needed to get sort of back together. And I feel like he at least started the process. He was rebounding well, I actually think. I don't know why everybody keeps saying he's pushed around. He was rebounding. He was the best rebounder in this game. I just, I can't see that being true. There's just, Jalen Smith just gets pushed around at this point. I, I kind of disagree with you. Uh, but but I see the game up close. On I, TV, I on TV, there's it's just so interesting what you see on TV. Because I watched the game last night on TV, and it's just such a different view, especially down low in the post. Well, you sit in press row, so you're like right there. Like I think he's, his post game isn't optimal, but I don't think he deserves all the heat that he gets. I'll put it like that. Okay, that that's fair enough. I mean, he's a freshman. He he is a real, real legitimate freshman. Yeah, he's he doesn't have. The, that's the other thing with Wisconsin is they didn't really play freshmen, and I think that Jalen may struggle a little bit against older players with more experience, more body mass. But I just I feel like his skill usually makes up for it, and like we keep saying, I feel like he plays really hard. and He wants to be here, and I think. I think that shows more nights than not. Uh, moving on with the Terps starters, Eric Aiello got 32 minutes on the night, was four from seven from the field, hit three three-pointers, and that amounted to 11 points. He is just, he's not the best player on the team. He's not the most athletic guy, but he is such a big part of Maryland's success at this point in the season that it's just, I don't really think you can put it into very many words because it really doesn't show on the stat sheet. I don't think he had a great game, honestly. I think he was reluctant to pull the trigger when he was open. I think he really could have moved the ball better. 
I'm not thinking he had a bad game, but I don't think he had a great game out there. Defensively, though, he and Anthony Cowan were both fantastic on helping with the big Wisconsin big men. Yeah, it was a really solid game plan on stopping Wisconsin's best players from Turgeon and the staff. They did a great job of helping down low in the post, and yeah, they gave up a few threes. Yes, they didn't play the optimal closeout, but they got it done. They got the big lead, and that was all game plan. They doubled the post, forced Wisconsin to make threes early on in the game, and I don't really even want to call it luck, but fortunate enough, Wisconsin really wasn't hot at the beginning of the game. They came into our building, and they played our game early in the game. Well, I think that was the best game plan for Wisconsin, though, because as we said last podcast, so much of their game runs through the post and through Ethan Happ, and they're just not a great three-point shooting team, 39% from the field on the season. Not horrible, but you'd still much rather give up the threes than let Ethan Happ play his game, and that's really what the Terps did. Moving right along here, Durham were still 28 minutes, two for six. Four rebounds, two assists, eight points. It was a very Darren Morsell kind of game. When Morsell made the three and then the two early on in this game, I was like, yes, here we go. Daryl Morsell is going to, we're going to see the Daryl Morsell that we were supposed to see from the reports from the summer. Here he goes. He gets an early three, gets into a rhythm. That's the kind of night that we need to take that next step because if Maryland is to take that next step, either Ricky Lindo or Daryl Morsell needs to catch on as a scorer. Yeah, and that's I really something thought... I was talking a lot about with Wade, is that, well, we'll talk about Ricky Lindo real quick, 23 minutes, zero points, and nine rebounds. That's about it. And they're just, they both don't add anything on the offensive end, really. Like, I know most people out there, including us, really like Ricky Lindo and Daryl Morsell, but they're just offensive zeros right now, and it's a real problem because that means they can't play together. I don't really think that's true from Lindo, though. That he's an offensive zero, or he can't play with Marcel? That he's an offensive zero. Well, I don't know how you can say that. Cause well, I'll tell you is... why. Okay. Mark Turgeon has him in the old stand-in-the-corner spot. It's not that... Look, I know that Turgeon and these coaches are with these guys every day and they know definitely a lot more about the skill of Ricky Lindo and Morsell. Well, we've seen a lot of Morsell, so we kind of know with him. But we really haven't seen a lot of Lindo. But the standing in the corner position automatically turns that player into an offensive zero. Then you're almost playing four on five. Because you know what Daryl Morsell and Ricky Lindo can't do, Jordan? They can't shoot the three. And it's not that you can't put a player standing in the corner because they're an offensive negative or really an offensive, I guess, neutral because they don't really score, but they don't really do anything bad. But it's that they stay in the corner. When the drive's there, they don't creep in. It's like not setting them up for that slam dunk play where, okay, you're not guarding this guy, but he's he slowly moved towards the basket where he's going to catch the ball and hit a little um, runner or a snowboard or wherever they depend on being in, on the court. It said they're standing in the corner from like 30 feet away from the basket. That just turns them into an offensive zero. And Lindo really doesn't take that three. 
and Morcel every once in a while does, and usually it's a it's it's a miss. But hey, it's working right now, so you really can't say that much about it. It's just that I really don't believe that Daryl Morcel and Ricky Lindo both are offensive zeros. It's just I guess for a lack of better words, it's just part of the offense. Well, regardless right now, they are both offensive zeros, and there's at least in the system they're in. Uh, last couple players here, Aaron Wiggins, one, one of three, one of one from deep, three points, 17 minutes. Another quiet game for Aaron Wiggins. I really thought we'd be getting more out of him. Yeah, he's kind of hit the wall at this point. He's not – it's just not happening. Just – that's that's in my opinion that's really one of the only ways to put it. It's just not happening right now for Wiggins. But I am almost certain that Aaron Wiggins will pop back up by the end of the season. I hope so because we really could use some more shooting. Sorrell Smith, eight minutes, one shot, no makes, two rebounds. Basically nothing from him. And Anthony Cowan, thirty-eight minutes, four of fourteen from the field, two of six from deep, eleven of thirteen from the line. Few rebounds, few assists, twenty-one points, and won the game for us. Yeah, just a few things that um, jump off the stat sheet here before we are uh, before we talk about Ohio State for a few minutes here. One of them has to be the amount of free throws that the Terps took compared to the Badgers. Maryland in this game shot twenty-nine free throws, made twenty-four of them, which is a really solid percentage. In this game for the Wisconsin Badgers, they shot six free throws. Made three of them. Another one is Maryland won this game only making 16 shots. Eight of them were threes. Compared to Wisconsin, who took 13 more shots than Maryland and took 33 pointers in this game, making 11 of them. Yeah, that was the big one was the free throws, and that was almost all Anthony Cowan, really. He was, people always talk about how poorly his field percentage is. But I think a lot of that's because he gets to the line so much. He's always trying to draw fouls, and he's really good at it. When yeah, he yeah. takes off to the basket, he looks – he's just – you don't have a choice but to foul him. He's playing the old mellow game, and I'm sure – I think it was Maryland's Big Ten, like the Maryland division of the Big Ten network, put out the um, front and – the top of the screen was Mellow Trimble's three, which was a buzzer beater at Wisconsin when the Terps were number two in the country, the bottom is the Anthony Cowan three from this game, and they're, they're pretty similar, and Cowan's starting to take on that mellow role, and it's just, it's coming, Anthony Cowan's definitely getting better, definitely really settling into his role as the season continues, the other thing is, you don't really see a team make 16 field goals and win a game, it's just, it was a weird game, and it was another game where I kind of watch it, and there's just something off. I don't really know if it's the Xfinity Center. I don't really know what it is, but there's just something I'm tempted to say almost like not right about games played at the Xfinity Center. I guess it could have to do with the students not being there. I don't I don't really know what it is, but it just seems like that to me. I don't know if that's it. I don't know what it is, but whatever the case is, the Trumps won a very odd ball game. It I don't know what to think of it really. I don't think anyone Really knows what to think of it, but hey, the Terps won. They're number 19, their highest ranking since January of 2017. That was Meadows' last season here at College Park. And I don't know what else to say. I, I guess I'm happy with the win. Well, I, I know we what to say. All right, say it. 
It's a Big Ten win against a team that's currently seeded higher than you, I don't know how, in the tournament at home. And you're 6-1 in the conference and 15-3 and overall, and you really can't argue with that very much because this team is very much outperforming what a lot of people thought their ceiling was. Well, maybe not their ceiling, but what they thought they were going to do this season. That is true. The Terps are outperforming expectations, and the Ohio State Buckeyes are underperforming expectations. No, they're not. Well, that's a hard thing to... Okay, what are you here's... talking about? Ohio State was predicted like 13th in this league. I never saw them that low. I saw them in the same group as Maryland. I don't know what you read. Here's what I think No, that, that is like their hallmark for this year. That everyone thought they were a bottom feeder in this league, and they're still good because... Well, because they have a great coach, honestly. Yeah, Chris Holtman at a Butler was... I love Tamar Butler, and he's doing a great job at Ohio State. Here's the thing. Here's my thing with Ohio State. Okay, they they were ranked pretty high. We all know that they were ranked as high as 13 this season, and have since lost a game against Michigan State at home. All right, that's fine. Then they lost at Rutgers, which is not okay. Then they lost at Iowa, which is fine too. But now they're unranked because they lost to Rutgers. But I never felt like they really earned the ranking as high as they did. Yeah, wins this season, or if you want to give it, wins this season came against Cincinnati, Creighton, Minnesota, Illinois, and a really struggling UCLA team at home. No, I think that game was at a neutral site, actually. Yeah, it was a neutral site in Chicago. And so, if, they just never, none of them are marquee wins, in my opinion. None of them justified them being ranked number 13. Yeah, and then the losses, well, you mentioned already three of them. The other one was... At home against Syracuse, they got beat by 10 points in what I assume, looking at this, is was the ACC Big Ten Challenge game. Yeah, that was that would be correct. So, so well, I kind of have an explanation for this. Okay. Well, you're looking at a Wisconsin, uh, my, my mistake, an Ohio State team that was really good last year. And then people kind of wrote them off. They weren't too hot going into this year. They... Really lost a lot, especially with Kata Bates the up, um, graduating, and then they were suddenly winning games again. They were good again, and people love, especially in college basketball, especially basketball, to overrate teams that have been good in the past few years. And that's what happened with Ohio State this year. They won a few games against maybe not teams that are good this year, but teams that definitely have a name: the Cincinnati's, the Creightons. The UCLA win. Those are teams that are big or mid-sized name brand, names. They're name brand programs is the word you're looking for. Yeah, and Ohio State just happened to knock a few of them off. And really, frankly, they beat them all by, I believe, over 10 points. And then you factor in the wins against a Minnesota team that's pretty strong by 20. And an Illinois team that's really struggling right now at 4-12 and 12 overall. But they still beat them, and they're still a Big Ten team. But recently, you know, they played a great game against Michigan State. Then, of course, they bounced back and lost that game at the rack, which I don't mean to um, shout myself out, but I told you all that Rutgers was going to beat a good team this year at home. And then an Iowa team that's been in and out of the rankings. So I don't really know what to make of them, but I think that Ohio State's going to win this game. I understand why you're saying that. I understand they, you know, they've, Lost three in a row. People are like, okay, we have a raid them. They, they're they not that good. 
and Maryland's coming in as a ranked team. It's going to be a big game for Ohio State. It's going to be a huge game for Ohio State. They need to win this game. Yeah, they're 10th in the conference right now. They're 2-3, and 12-4 um, and four overall. They're starting, I believe, if you get to that, you know, four straight losses, and it really doesn't get any easier. It goes to, you know, obviously they have the Maryland game, which is a tough game. Then they play at home against Purdue, which with Carson Edwards is always a rough game. And then they go on the road to Nebraska, on the road to Michigan, and they're back with Rutgers and Penn State. So there's not much of a break. And Maryland's not one either. But there's not much of a break for Ohio State. You can easily turn that into a, I don't know, let's count them, four, five, six, seven-game losing streak, and then suddenly you're really in a hole. Yeah, that's basically what it is. Ohio State needs to win this game. And whether we, as Maryland fans, can admit it or not, at this point we're in the top of the Big Ten. No one else is as close to Michigan or Michigan State as we are. We're 6-1 in the conference. No one else is within a game of us right now. We can make a play for the top of the conference here, and Ohio State can recognize that and want to beat us. And the key to Ohio State's success has been the Weston brothers, Caleb and Andre Weston. Caleb Weston, in particular, has been one of the top players in the conference this year, one of the most underrated players in the conference because you don't really hear about him much, but he's getting 16 points a game, some rebounds a game, and over 50 percent from the field. He's a legit player. Yeah, I really like what Ohio State has, and the Weston brothers are a great part of that. C.J. Jackson's definitely a guy that's making plays for the Buckeyes, but it goes back to the coaching, and I already hit on this, but I really like it. Uh, Chris Holtman, and this is one of Jordan's guys, I didn't really know about him until you know, late into his Butler career and really last year. He can really coach. He's really made... Um, Something out of nothing. Obviously, last year, Ohio State was supposed to be bottom, if not the... I think they were 14th going into the season in the league. And he made them into a top-tier team in the Big Ten. And then this year, he's kind of doing the same thing. They were, I think, between, somewhere between 10 and 13 in the conference going into the season. And he's worked it again. He's made them into a good product. He's doing good things with what others would say is really not enough to do good things. Um, one more thing before I think we give our predictions for this game and wrap it up. The same thing you can kind of outlook for Maryland. We did it with Ohio State. Let's let's just take a look at what's ahead for the Terps. After the game on Friday at 6.30, which can be seen on FS1, Maryland will play another game at 6.30 on FS1 on MLK Day, which is Monday at Michigan State. Then they will play Illinois and Madison Square Garden and then at home against Northwestern. Then they go on a small road trip back out to Wisconsin and Nebraska, and that takes us all the way into mid-February, Jordan. So a chance to really get some wins here, a chance to really get up maybe even into the top 10 by that home game against Purdue on February 12th. Yeah, one more fun fact about Chris Holtman. He may be the only coach, and I'm not sure about this, but I would like to think so. He may be the only coach that has been the coach of the year in three big conferences. He was Big South coach of the year, Big East coach of the year, and Big Ten coach of the year. Just a fun fact. Um, so, Jordan, yeah, go ahead. wrapping it up here, what do you think is going to happen in this game? How do you think the Terps will fare against the Buckeyes? Oh, that is a hard question to answer. Um, 
I don't I don't say this often, but I really don't know. I think that Maryland has to go into this treating this like it's a big game. Because if they don't, then Ohio State is going to get out to an early lead on them. Ohio State's going to be playing this game fighting for their lives. Because if they lose this one, then people are really going to start wondering what's going on there. If Maryland can win this game, though, they're going to go into a monster game against Michigan State, which is kind of what I want to happen. So I'm going to say Terps win 71-67 in Columbus. So I kind of have two feelings about this game. One of which is, and I've been wrong a lot this season about this Maryland team. I'll say that right now before I get into this little rant. Value City Arena definitely has a big part in this game. 6.30 in Columbus on a Friday. It's definitely not going to be a big crowd. And that place, as we all know, is a awful venue. That place is one of maybe I've heard, I've read this actually a couple places. It may be the worst venue in college basketball. And I hate that for Maryland. Maryland feeds off of crowds, whether they're at home or on the road. And luckily enough, since Maryland's a big basketball name in this conference, they get that. They get the big crowds. They get the big draws. People want to beat Maryland. It means something to this conference. Might not mean anything to us to beat them, but it definitely means something to them to beat us. Yeah, it's kind of nice. I like it. We never got in the ACC. Yeah, so do I. I definitely like it. I feel like Maryland feeds off of that, especially with Bruno. Bruno's definitely a big part of it. Now back to this game. That doesn't fare well for Maryland. Maryland's not going to be um, hyped up by the crowd. We've also seen Maryland go into Ohio State a few times, especially last year where they got absolutely wiped by Ohio State and just not really show well. There's just so many factors that just go against Maryland in this game. They just don't really play well in the Value City Arena. That's my main thing. I really feel like Maryland struggles, even with Bruno Fernando and Anthony Cowan really emerging as leaders to generate their own energy to play really hard's not the word, but with that aggression to really just keep fighting. It just it was just something that rubs me wrong about this game, especially with you say Ohio State playing with the desperation that need to get back on the win column and really steer the ship the right way before it really starts to sink. It's just can't see it going well for Maryland. But I also really want it to. Because as you already said, that turns that Michigan State game into a huge matchup that the nation will have its eyes on because it's probably going to be a Maryland team up around the 15 mark going up against the top 10 team in Michigan State. And, you know, that makes it for a big college basketball game. And that Michigan State game is that's an FS1 game, right? Yes. Yes, it is. All right. So what's your prediction, Mason? I have Ohio State. Getting out to an early lead, Maryland fighting back, but just not getting the lead back in this game. Terps go down 77-69 to at Ohio State. Well, despite all the crap that we as Maryland fans have thrown at the school, not maybe at the school, but the team this season, we still are number 19, and we have a chance to go into Michigan State guns blazing for a chance to really get somewhere. And... 
I really hope we win this game. I'm, I hope we win this game more than we, I've hoped any game this season. Yeah, that's it's as simple as that. Uh, with that, that will do it for this podcast. Enjoy the college basketball. Saturday is a massive day, multiple ranked matchups. We have also you get another look at Wisconsin against the undefeated Michigan Wolverines, who are pulling now for number one in the country. That might set up a big game later in the season. We also have, um, just scrolling down the list, you have Kansas taking on a struggling West Virginia team, NC State, Notre Dame, Indiana, Purdue is always a good one. They're just some big-time games. And, of course, Jordan, Duke, and Virginia will play at Cameron at 6 on Saturday. For, I believe, in my opinion, the winner of that game will be number one. Maybe if it's Virginia. I think that Duke really did themselves a number with that loss to Syracuse. Another game that we have on Saturday is Kentucky and Auburn, which actually is a quite a good matchup. Auburn with Bruce Pearl has been cooking. Yeah, they that's a surprisingly good hire for Auburn. I I've wondered in the past if man could somehow woo, woo him away from Auburn if we decided to go in a different direction, but I have my doubts. Never. Not with what went down in Tennessee, Jordan. I don't I don't know what you've been watching, but the rest of us I see know. this Maryland administration. As always, we would like to thank our sponsors on the podcast, Viner Four Gates, your place to go for all your business. IT needs. You can reach Viner Forgates at 301-251-2900 or on the web at oneviner.com. Allied Party Rentals is a place to go for all your party rental needs from a small luncheon to a presidential inauguration. Allied has done it all. Dance floors, tables, chairs. They do it all at Allied Party Rentals to make your event perfect. You can reach them at alliedpartyrentals.com and Maryland Eurocars. If you're looking for a five-star Experience servicing your European car. Maryland Eurocars is a place to go. Audis, BMWs, Mercedes, they do them all at Maryland Eurocars. You can reach them at 301-217-5831. That's Christian at Maryland Eurocars. Jordan, that's going to be a wrap for this podcast. Tell us, tell the listeners where they can follow us on Twitter. They can follow the Young Terps at Young Terp 1. That's Young Terp with the number 1. And they can follow you, Mason, at Intern Mason. And that's going to do it for this episode of the Young Turfs Podcast. As always, thanks for listening.